Sherry, Sherry Lady. I like that song with SAFM. Uh, John Carrick is my name. And having a look at the penalties being taken now uh, in the Nedbank Cup. It's Chikuma against Golden Arrows. And the first penalty goes over the bar. Uh, it looks as if I'm uh, just going to confirm uh, who took that penalty for you, if I can. At the first penalty, way over the bar. So already advantage to, I think that was uh, Golden Arrows that uh, missed that penalty. So advantage to Kuma as they step up to take the penalty now. I'll keep you updated with that as we go along. Uh, let's update you on the cricket as well. Uh, where's my cricket? There we go. It's uh, India 80, 88 for the loss of two. Very slow going. 102 runs needed of 25 overs. Four runs and over. They can do it easily. Uh, Takuma have... Uh, uh, let me get this right. So Takuma's got their first penalty already. And um, then it's Golden Arrows that have missed the first penalty. Takuma coming up in time and take their second penalty. And uh, strikes it uh, left-hand side. The keeper got a bit of a hand to it, but it wasn't good enough. So Takuma have the advantage now. 2-0. Uh, in the penalty count. Let's go details of that in a moment. Uh, update you on some football as well. Live, other, uh, let's update you on the rugby where it's Scotland against England. Three minutes to play, just three points in it. Scotland 20, England 17 with three minutes to play. Just uh, what's happened there down the bottom. I see uh, uh, Russell has just got a penalty goal over. He's got himself three points and uh, yeah, a couple of penalties for Scotland have given them the advantage in the second half. Uh, they've made plenty changes through the second half, not as many as England have. Maybe England have a little bit towards the end, but it's Scotland 20, England 17 with two minutes to play. Don Gerica on SAFM. Let's talk football. Uh, joined by Dr. Mechi Machoba, independent soccer analyst, to talk about plenty football. Uh, Doc, let's start with the beginning. Nedbank Cup playoffs on the go, uh, down to penalties between Chakuma uh, and uh, Golden Arrows. Uh, you would have think, thought this would be Golden Arrows. Oh, no, I lie. This, was, this should have been a Chakuma game. Yeah, well, you, you remember that in the previous season, uh, Golden Arrows showed some glimpses of brilliance, and I think there's still those sparks in them. So playing against them, even though they had a difficult season this time, they can still show those type of magic. That's why Chukuma had it hard in, instead of just having a walkover. All right. Uh, down to penalties. What do you make of a penalty shootout in a tournament? I think uh, penalties are... Uh, I mean, mean two reasons, actually. It means that maybe one team was lucky not to lose in the game. And it, it's always the case that the other teams just make sure that they just want to play against penalties because they know they will be right. prepared for that. And sometimes it's actually an issue of like that I dominate team fails to convert chances and the outcome leads to penalties. And in such cases, the dominating team would be the likely one that is going to lose because they would <laughs> go to those penalties very drained, mm. thinking that we should have wrapped the game in the 90 minutes and didn't happen. And the psychological effect of that normally lets them down. Sure. Uh, earlier today, Swallows beating TS Sporting. Is that the way it should be? Come back from behind? Well, it's, it's quite bizarre considering that Sundance have had off-the-pitch issues and equally they've had... Uh, they've had a declining season. But remember that uh, a competition and a league are two different types of mood and, I mean, 
competition. So what you expect on a regular basis in the league games and in the league, it's quite different. So maybe during that specific time, Solos had a good spirit in the in the camp, and that's why they managed to win the game. And normally that's the case, that a team that is doing well in the league might not certainly do well in the cup competition. Okay, uh, if you want to talk to Dr. Mechi Makhoba, let's chat football. We've got ourselves 20 minutes, which is lovely to be able to talk about football. Rarely do you have that kind of time. Uh, we're going to focus on the Cup of Nations, but you're welcome to chat about any football. 011-714-2006 is the number. Uh, 011-714-2006. And of course, you're welcome to send us a WhatsApp voice note on 0614-104-107. All right, Doc, let's talk Cup of Nations. First of all, holistically, you're happy with the tournament? Interesting refereeing decisions. There was the tragic uh, crushing event that happened a couple of weeks ago. Overall, though? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the tournament has been well played and well managed, except for that incident uh, event that caused people's lives. But generally, it has been a success, I think. And I think the host team have done well to manage the competition. But, you know, the death of eight people is a major one. But generally, it has been, I, I think we've seen cases of good football, but uh, in terms of seeing an African style, an African way of playing, I, I'm, I'm afraid there isn't such. I think mm-hmm. in many teams that you expected they would do well in the competition, it was just a chaotic for them. It's interesting you say that because with the dominance of European football now, it's it's that that's where the superstars are coming from. Tomorrow we're expecting Mo Salah to do something, and he's plays Liverpool. Yeah, and I think uh, partly that's. It's interesting, partly it's very sad because it means that uh, African football is nudging towards global homogeneity in terms of copying what's happening in the Premier League mm. across the Europe. And I think if you, if you check a team like Senegal, they've managed to maintain somebody who, who has an organic understanding of the Senegalese team. But his style of football is also culturally overshadowed by the fact that almost 90% of his lineup comes from Europe, which means that the players themselves come with the European flavor, which is, is, he's actually asked to manage that because actually mm. when you're playing a national team, there's no much philosophical work that you need to do. All you do, you need to understand the players. And I think as somebody who has a stature and a, a very powerful figure in the Senegalese football a space, and I think the team should be able to, to, to do well with that top of of collection of players. Yeah, it's interesting. I was wondering, that was going to be my next question, is when, it, when a coach takes on a national side, uh, do they look at their... T- obviously, they pick the best players they feel in a position, and then they go, well, okay, this is the, the style the players play, and I'll have to fit around that? Or do they say, no, 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 we, we need to change the, the layout and the structure? I think most more often than not, it's performing best and whether they can squeeze the, the national the template is that we're looking at the best players who are playing in the best leagues and we are selecting for we are selecting them for the national team mm. but uh, i think with with the senegalese club or national team the squad is quite star-studded and there's a very very good chance because you kind of have top players for each position rather than where you find a coach having an imbalance of maybe has many attacking midfielders, not so many defensive. Now he's forcing one of the players to play out of position because he's a top player, but he can't teach them in the, next, I mean, in the lineup because 
years old, somebody who played position. But with the Senegalese team, it, Egypt, I think the squads are quite balanced and we should be able to see a very interesting game. Uh, Egypt's struggling start. At one point, they were they were worrying that they wouldn't even get through to the knockout phases. How do you feel they're going to do now? Uh, we were talking earlier to sports journalist K- uh, Kaniso Twaku. He was saying they're peaking at the right time. Yeah, same can also be about Senegal. They haven't had a perfect start to the competition, and I think for both teams. Right. Sorry, Doc, we're struggling with that phone line that we've got to you. Dr. Mechi Makhoba is our guest, independent soccer analyst. We'll see if we can get a better line to him. Uh, reminder, Senegal playing Egypt in the final of the Cup of Nations tomorrow. Bikina Faso against Cameroon. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. VOP on SAFM. Let's go back to our guest, uh, Dr. Mechi Makhoba, independent soccer analyst. Don't forget, you're welcome to send us WhatsApps, 0614-104-107. Let's have a look-see. Takuma and Arrows still in the penalty shootout. Arrows are taking the penalties first. Uh, They're leading 6-5 with Takuma to take the equalizing penalty. They're in uh, sudden death now. Uh, Having a look-see, Takuma standing over the ball and left-footed. And it's into the back of the net. So six all it is now. Sudden death playoffs. Little nerves there. Uh, let's talk about uh, Dr. Mahoba. Let's talk about the big names. Salah's Egypt, Mane, Senegal. But we got Carlos Queiroz and a South African involved in in the Egyptian team. Yeah, I think for for Egypt it's going to be difficult because it seems like each time they have the ball, they want to feed. Uh, Mosala. Right. But when you look at Senegal, I think the team is quite balanced. They are all big names in that uh, in that lineup. I think uh, Afcon had about 26 players coming from your top European European leagues, and Senegal has about nine players in that mm-hmm. number. So, which means that the squad is quite strong. And I think for them in this tournament or in this two final in this final. They need to find the right formula to frustrate Egypt because I think they have the upper hand and they have to like it to be on their side because in the past they've been here before and they lost. And I think if they can find the right formula to neutralize Mo Salah, which is the most lethal striker for Egypt, they should be able to win the competition. And I think they have the right defense to, to neutralize Salah in, in, in the form of Koulibaly and Salah. Okay, let's talk about today's third and fourth playoff. Who do I, who is it, a rugby uh, coach that said it's like kissing your sister? Uh, I, before I do that, I just want to tell you that Chikuma have beaten Golden Arrows on a penalty shootout. It was one penalty missed in sudden death. So Chikuma advanced to the next round of the Nedbank Cup, beating, uh, uh, I'll get it right eventually, uh, beating Golden Arrows on a penalty shootout. Lots of celebrations happening on the field. All right, Doc, third and fourth playoff, Burkina Faso against Cameroon. Uh, ideally, the host nation would like to take something out of this. Can they do it? Yeah, well, I, but I think for them, it's, it's really a quite disappointment because how they end up losing their previous match, it's it's really inexplicable. And I think for them, I mean, for these playoffs, uh, for, for getting a third position, I think it's not really a big deal. 
I think the type of team they had, they deserved to win the competition, but mm-hmm. they didn't do well. So for whether they beat beginner first, I don't think it's really a big deal. Two substitutes, missed penalties, that's, that's what will be remembered. Yes, and I think... Uh, they, I think they, they failed to rise above the, the expectations and being the host nation and having home ground advantage and failing to translate it into results is really difficult. And I think in two things, the quality of the players, the home advantage failing to translate that into good results when you compete for the third position, it doesn't really make a big deal, really. Uh, I found a wonderful stat about Cameroon. Um, the ninth straight AFCON semi-final without conceding during normal play since they lost 1-0 in 1972. That's impressive. Yeah, but it's an impressive, it's a, it's an impressive record, but remember that... Uh, that doesn't really count if you don't have trophies <laughs> to to show for it. Right. It shows there's, there's some level of continuity in terms of how the, um, the the national team is playing. But in the end, you just want to say, like Egypt, we say we qualified for semi-finals mm. on the number of this number of occasions, and here is the trophy to back what you are saying. But I don't think Cameroonians are at that place that uh, they have qualified several times for semis. And they, that is backed by the number of trophies they've won. I don't think they are in a safe space to say that. And I think, well, as much as this shows that they are a very consistent team in, in as compared to some clubs, uh, but they really have to back that with trophies and silverware. Uh, Cameroon, big favourites here. Are you going to put some money on Cameroon tonight, Doc? Yeah, well, Bikin Apaso has played very well and kind of... There is some fluency in terms of how they attack, but I think their previous match was just difficult for them. I think Senegal was really just a good team for them. And I think against Cameroon, they should be able to do well against Cameroon because I think Cameroon and and Senegal has this problem as well. I don't think they are scoring enough. And I think, maybe let me deviate away from the question, and I think if Senegal does not deal with this issue of non-scoring, like if you check their scoring record in this competition, it's quite low, except in the in the 3-1 lead, uh, win, and if they are able to score against Egypt, maybe two goals, maybe they have an advantage, but if they don't, Egypt will go into this game as underdogs because uh, Senegal, Senegal has a very, very impressive team, and, mm. and if they don't deal with that, there might be issues. All right. Uh, guest is Doc Matthew Mokhoba. Doc, I want to talk quickly. Club World Cup, I see that Al-Athli have beaten Monterey one goal to nil. They're through to the semifinals of the Club World Cup. They're going to meet Palmeiras uh, in the next round from Brazil. Do you think Al-Athli have the, the big match temperament to be able to get through to this? Yeah, I think so. I think Bito has uh, something going on in that team, and I think there's an understanding. They are taking a very, uh, they are playing a very impressive attacking football, and I think Bito is a confident coach, and he measures himself against world-class coaches. And I think with that sort of confidence and the quality of the squad he has, I think his team should be able to do well.
Palmeiras haven't lost since November last year, so I think they're, they're, they're on form. Yeah, well, that can always be broken. I think <laughs> winning streaks, <laughs> winning streaks are, are, are something to hold on to, but it's you know your story, that shouldn't be something that scares you. You yeah. know that you play your normal game, you go into that knowing that this is a very good team, and you always have to play your normal game as well as capitalizing on their weaknesses, but I don't think Ibito is somebody who should be able to be intimidated by a Brazilian club that has been on and and, and, and oh. unbeaten run for a few months. Wouldn't it be excellent to see Pizzuma Sumani beating a Chelsea in the final? Yeah, and I think that that would be very wonderful and it's going to be good for an African coach because I think many African coaches, especially in the case of Peter Messiman, have been overlooked. And I think if he exerts himself in the global stage by winning this competition, maybe African football can be taken seriously. And when AFCON is, when AFCON is playing, European journalists wouldn't have mm. the guts to ask us questions if... Bane is going to be coming to the Afghan as Salah is going to be coming to, uh, to the Afghan because we need people like Peter to represent the, com- the continent. That was going to be my next question, Doc. The, the lead-up to Afghan, there was, uh, who was it? It was uh, ex-Arsenal player, I forget what his name was, who was very critical of the European press by saying, are you going to Afghan? Difficult times, uh, players and clubs don't necessarily, li- or clubs especially, don't necessarily like sending their big stars overseas to get injured. But uh, what, do, what do you make of that whole build-up? That, uh, was it racist, like uh, that, that commentator said? I think it's, it's, it's deeply rooted in racism because it, 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 it's, it's part of the global system of Afri- undermining Africans, first and foremost, and trivializing our own competition in relation to European leagues, it would appear as if the European leagues are the standard in which everybody has to measure themselves against in the in the sense that if a player such as Mane is coming to AFCON, he needs to be asked question, or are you going to this competition? Mm. Why don't you just play for Liverpool? Because maybe they're the ones who are paying your salaries. And I think that sort of racist arrogance is, is really a big problem because it shows that these people do not... Uh, respect our competition even if our players do try by all means to come to to, to shine in the competition yeah what was the statement nobody nobody asks if players are going to be going to euro you just expect the best players to go to euro you expect the same in africa yes because as i said europe seems to be playing in europe seems to be an acceptable thing seems to be the norm and if somebody such as Mane and Mosala is coming to Afcon and be like, we'll you be wasting your time? What if you get injured? <laughs> yeah. Whereas if somebody is playing in in Euro and get injured, the issue is no longer, but we, you could have just played at home because this is this is a useless mm. competition. And, and I think we need to be really critical of this type of journalists who ask African players such ignorant questions. Has this been a, a show to, to show the world African football is better than you think it is? I think in terms of officiating, uh, I think I could say the same. I've seen a very good use of VIR. I think it was, is it game, the, the game between uh, Egypt? Was it the game between Egypt and Cameroon? I think there was an, a certain referee who really did very well. 
who managed to rescind two of his major decisions. And I think that was a very demonstration of uh, proper use of VAR. But as I said, in terms of style, I don't think that this competition in terms of like, I'm going to see this mm. team and they're playing this particular style of football. I don't think there's ever been such a, 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 a definite style of play. Uh, in terms of the brand of football, I think it's quite mundane and boring. <laughs> uh, it was Ian Wright, by the way, that was critical of the journalist, former England and Arsenal uh, player as well. Ian Wright was the man. All right, so homogenous football, what do we blame that on, Doc? Do we, is that everybody can see everybody play football now and the, they pick the best way to play? Yeah, it's partly because of that. And secondly, it's because I think, like, for instance, the fact that people boost about having a team that plays football in Europe, it's it's sort of like that is in its own show that that team is logically competent, is logically a good team just because they are playing in Europe. So as Africans, I don't think we are at a, at a situation where we are able to ch- take charge of our own football destiny and impose our own style, partly because of corrupt football associations. They also look down upon local coaches. If a coach from South Africa maybe gets a job in South Africa, they would not want to pay the person a good salary. But if somebody comes from uh, Sweden, Belgium, or Mm. England, they will want to give in to the person's huge demand of salaries. And I think we are complicit in this type of homogeneity because... Firstly, it means we look up to Europe as the standard. And secondly, we are not keen on developing our own grassroots football. And I think the problem is going to continue to a point where whenever we see Europe, we see the standard. And when we see Africa, we just see this obscure football space. Dr. Mechi Makhoba, strong words. Thank you very much for joining us again on SAFM Sport Tracks. Oh, before you go, Doc, uh, uh, somebody's got a quick little 100 rand flutter they want to put on the final. Who do you put your money on tomorrow? Okay, I think uh, I'm going to... Senegal, let me just not... Let me not give you a straightforward answer. <laughs> Obviously, on, I would expect nothing less yeah, from you, I, Doc. But I'll still give you... <laughs> I want to explain my prediction okay. first. So... On on paper, Senegal should be able to win this match. Right. But Senegal is not very lucky. You will see in the game, they have a potential to dominate the game, but they have a problem of scoring, which means that they might dominate the game and Egypt might end up winning the game one nil. Okay. So- yeah, so the money's on Egypt. Manizad, they will win one year. Manizad, Egypt. Zalma asked me earlier. I said Senegal, so I think it's going to be a great match. All right, Dr. Mechi Mokhoba, independent soccer analyst. Rather go with him, Zalma, than me. Uh, he's a doctor. <laughs> I'm just an oak watch, watches a lot of sport. There's a difference. Senegal, 2-1. Let's see. No, I think it's going to go, it's going to go longer. It'll go into extra time, I feel. But Senegal will win it. Why don't split your bets? <laughs> 50 bucks on each team. At least it'll be exciting. No, it won't. Don't do that. Uh, okay, let's just wrap up scores. In fact, let's take, uh, we're going to take a quick song and then I'll wrap up the scores for you.